0: Jeremiah 29. I want to give you a little backstory on this. That God's people have turned their back on him. Full on. It's, a, it's amazing how God can do so much for us only to find us in a different season of life turning our back on him. And that's where we pick this up. They've 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 just wholeheartedly disowned him. And uh, there's consequences for that. There's consequences for that. And so Jeremiah, a lot of the book of Jeremiah is in proclaiming those consequences. Uh, Jerusalem is going to be going to be taken over, and and people are going to be exiled into Babylon, and it's going to be seventy years. It's going to be difficult, and it's going to be uh, the book of Jeremiah wholeheartedly is not an encouraging thing until you get to chapter twenty nine, and there's like a shift. That happens, and it's almost like God, God knows. And so Jeremiah sends this letter, and telling people how they're supposed to act in exile. And we've been talking about the battleground of the mind, and I know there's people in here that are going through difficult times. And the way you think during difficult times is going is going to determine uh, the blessing you experience in the middle of those difficult times. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning. I believe Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 is one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture. And I'm going to hopefully unpack that for you today. And next time you use it, it'll be in the right context. So we're starting in verse 1, chapter 29, verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priest the prophets, and the other people. Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So they've been carried into exile and now Jeremiah is sending them a letter communicating to them. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem and skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elsa, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of of Hikaya. and I'm gonna just use Jim, Bill, and Bob next service for that. Whom <laughs> Zedekiah, king of Judah, went to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said this, all right, verse 4 This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good purpose, my good promise, to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come. And pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Father, we thank you for this word today. We pray that every morning we wake up, God, we'd win the battle in our minds. Help us to believe that you're blessing us, that you're for us, and let that shape everything else we do in our lives. We thank you for it today and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Look at your neighbor and ask him, Is it your fault? I say, Is it your fault? Is it your fault? A lot, of time we wanna, a lot of times we want to establish whose fault it is, don't we? Remember growing up and you're, you know, you're arguing with your brother or sister or whatever and, and, and your parents come in and, and you don't go, hey, listen, I'm just going to take the blame for that. No, you're like, it was their fault. I'm just going to let you know right now it was their fault. And I'm absolutely 100% innocent in all of this, which is never really the truth. It was never true with me. Um, God's people had turned their backs on him in a big way. And sometimes we have to acknowledge that we are where we are because of the sin in our lives. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Today's popular culture is, well, I didn't do anything. Sometimes we have to acknowledge that the reason we are in the place where we are at currently is because I had a role to play in it. I just did. My sin complicates my life. And sometimes my sin causes consequences that I can't get out of. If I drive 150 miles an hour down the interstate and a cop pulls me over and I go, dude, I did it, but I'm sorry. He's not going to say, forget about it. He's going to say, I don't think we can let, the matter of fact, why don't you get in the car with me? We'll take a ride. If I, you know... If I walk out of the house with blood on me and they show up and I'm like, well, I didn't mean it. I'm not going to escape the consequences. And so sometimes we just have to face the fact that we did it. Amen? Amen. Just so we're clear on that, that is not a popular 2018 statement that everybody likes to make. Everybody likes to blame somebody else for where they are. It's just it's just our culture. You made me do it. There was so much prayer. I couldn't help it. I didn't... Like we're we're all just products of our environment. We don't have any choices whatsoever. Well, the truth is, is that God's people had chosen basically to disown Him. He had done miraculous works in their midst. He had led them out of Egypt with Moses and Aaron. And He had provided for them. And, And matter of fact, at the beginning of Jeremiah, He talks... God is telling them, I can't believe... You're doing this. I can't believe you're acting like this. He actually says, He says, This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me? That they strayed so far from me. They followed worthless worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, Where is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. He said, God sustained you where no one else has been sustained. He says, I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, Where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me, the prophets prophesied by Baal following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord. And I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus and look. Send a Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Watch what he says here. He says, go check these other countries out. And you tell me if you've ever seen anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great heart, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. He's saying, I can't even believe this is happening. You look at these other pagan countries, they don't switch gods. They they find a meaningless God. They stick with it. You guys got the God of all the universe, the God of all creation, and yet you gave him you gave him up. That doesn't even make sense. But here we are. Here we are, and this is going to be the consequences for it. And you find out that they're going to be in exile in Babylon for seventy years. That's multiple generations. Thank you. Multiple generations. You could have been born in exile and die in exile. You could move there when you're a young man and die there when you're an old man. Seventy years, that's not a short time. That's a a lifetime in a lot of cases. So we're establishing the fact that, that sometimes our sin, a lot of times our sin... Causes us to be in the situation we're in, but there's also people that are finding themselves in a situation today that you really didn't get yourself there And I, I would say listen if I know I caused it It is what it is I often tell my wife and I tell other people I say, look if I signed up for it. I don't complain about it You know what if you use that philosophy you complain a lot less if you signed up for it, don't complain about it. If you sinned and this is a consequence for it, just say, hey, I'm here now. I'm here now. This is what happened. These are the consequences for it. I'm not going to complain about something that I signed up for. So what happens, though, is sometimes we find ourselves in difficult circumstances that we didn't cause. I look at Daniel, for instance. While Jeremiah is writing this about the exiles, Daniel is being exiled. He's 15 years old. He's he's of uh, pretty high stature, his family is, and 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 the Babylonians kidnap a bunch of people like this, take them into Babylon, and their their goal is to brainwash them. They're the really smart guys, the really talented guys, they're the really talented people that can that can benefit the Babylonian culture. So they gotta take them in and condition them for the way the Babylonians operate. And they're pagans. So you're reading Daniel that they take him. And they try to they try to brainwash him into thinking like a Babylonian. Well, as soon as Daniel gets there, he's like, "I ain't eating your food. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep honoring God." So, so you find Daniel while while he's being punished for the sins of his elders, he himself is being faithful to God. And so, there's a whole other group of people here that you say you say, "Man, I'm I'm doing everything I know to do." But yet I still find myself in this circumstance. I still find myself in this difficult place. And I would say to you this. That sin has an impact on all of us. Guess what? We used to say in the old, old church, if the Lord tarries. And I thought, who is Terry? <clears throat> if the Lord waits, if he's patient long enough, we're all going to die. And you know what that's a result of? Sin. And you know what? You can't escape it, neither can I. Can't escape it. A month ago I hurt my back, and I want to cast a sin out of my body right now. But it's just the way life is. It's just we, we are impacted by sin. Whether it's from our own doing, or somebody else's, or just the idea that we live in a sinful world. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. The issue is, now we're here. Now that we're here, now what do we do? Now that we're here, what do we do? In chapter 29, Jeremiah writes this letter, and it's got a different flavor to it. It's, it's like full of hope. But what you have to realize, this is at the beginning of the exile. And he's writing a letter full of hope at the beginning of punishment. You know what I was never hopeful at? When I did something wrong and my dad was pulling the belt out of his pants. I was never like, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for me. I'm going to bend over this bed. My dad's going to whip me. And I'm going to realize that God is there to prosper me and not to harm me. This is exciting stuff. It's amazing. Dad, just bring it to the best of your ability. It's funny how Jeremiah is all of a sudden reminding them that God has a plan for them. And and we have to come to grips with where we are now. We're in exile. And and here's what I would say. If you are in this room and and you you can link where you're at right now to sin in your life, then just confess it. And repent. And the Bible says, That if we are faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen. Amen. Can I say this? Guilt only serves a purpose to draw you towards forgiveness. Once you get there, get rid of the guilt. Because it's not, it, it, it serves no purpose anymore. Once guilt drives me to forgiveness, it's done what it's supposed to do. I'm guilty, but now I'm in front of the one that can forgive me. So why should I'm not guilty anymore now? His righteousness has covered me. He's been faithful to forgive me of my sins. I don't need to be guilty anymore. Because the Bible says that God looks down on us and he doesn't see the guilt anymore. He sees Christ. Aren't you glad about that? So if I superimpose my own guilt over top of what Christ has already done, that's me. God is not calling us guilty anymore once we confess. So what I want to say to you this morning is if you got yourself there, confess quickly and repent quickly. And as quickly as you will repent and confess, God is that quick to forgive you. But don't get that confused with the consequences. We're here now. We're here now. We're in exile. We're in exile. What's this? Well, what do you what What do you mean? We're here now. So now, what do we do? And oftentimes in our lives. What we're hoping is that we just get a quick resolution to it, right? Oh, dad, I'm sorry. I was going to whip you, but you said you were sorry. You know how many times I said sorry and still got a whipping? Every time. Every time. I could say sorry with big tears running down my eyes. I'll, I'm sorry. You don't understand how sorry I am. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I remember, um, I, I I vowed, I made a vow to heaven, never say this to my kids, and I hope you did the same thing. Um, I used to hear, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, and I used to think that's physically not possible. <laughs> Why don't you lean over this bed and let me whip you a couple times? <laughs> let me see how it feels on the other end. See if see if it really does hurt. Because I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Pull your pants down. Let me whip you. He never took me up on it. Actually, I never asked for it because that would have been bad. That would have been bad. He, um, we're here now. So at the end of the deal, at the end of the day, we're here. We're in exile. We can figure out whether it's your fault or my fault. And we can get that settled. But getting forgiveness didn't get us out of exile. Getting forgiveness did, didn't immune me. From, from getting sick. Getting forgiveness didn't, didn't, didn't make me immune to family problems. Getting forgiveness didn't make me immune to problems at work. Getting forgiveness didn't make me immune to, to a drunk driver. Getting forgiveness didn't make me immune to sin in the world. So, now that we're here, what do we do? Now that we're here, now, now that we've established how we got here, now what do we do? And Jeremiah is giving them instructions now. He's saying, when you get there, I want you to think about blessing in your life. Now that seems totally confusing to me, doesn't it? Wait a second, you're, you've been preaching that I'm, get, I'm going into punishment, and yet now you want me to think about blessing when I get here. God's ultimate purpose is to prosper you. Did you know that? That's really popular preaching there. God's ultimate purpose is to prosper you. Jeremiah 29.10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. To bring you back to this place. For I know, the, come on, this is a famous verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. John, fast forward to John 10.10 in the New Testament. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. People within earshot of that statement died violent deaths and were persecuted. So I'm going, wait a second. Am I supposed to have a full life or a painful life? Both. Oh, man, I invited my friends here today. I thought you were going to say something encouraging <laughs> god 's ultimate purpose i want you I want you to think about this job job. We always talk about the bad part of job 's life. You read to the end of the book, and I got made out now you 're starting to calculate how do I, how long do I have to get sick to be double blessed i mean I mean, he went through some unspeakable tragedy in his life at the end of his life has said God bless him twice as much. But here's the thing that he benefited from more than any material blessing he could have. He knew God in such a way that he had no doubts anymore. We, we talked about it last week. He said no plan of yours can be thwarted. I realize this right now. I realize after all that I've walked through, you're in control. I realize after all that i walked through, I don't have to question you anymore. I realize after all that I've walked through, you had a plan from the beginning to make me better. Job says, I realize all this stuff. I'm better now than I've ever been. I think his wife even liked him at the end. He said, after all of this, I realize your plan. You know what the problem is, is that in our current circumstance, we have a hard time believing God is really intending on blessing us. That's the problem. Because we only see what we see. God sees the end from the beginning. We talked about that last week. He sees all in between. He sees how it works out in your life. Just like when I was laying over the bed and my dad was like, this is going to help you in the future, son. I'm like, I don't see any way that this helps. I don't see any way this helps. I don't, see any, I don't see how you punishing me right now can help. I don't see how me walking through this difficulty can help. I don't see how you making me have a conversation like this can help. I don't see how it helps because all I could see is a 15-year-old kid just in the moment. Now I'm looking at my kids and hey, listen, this is going to help. had a conversation the other day. I said, the, the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to think the right way about it. Because you're thinking like a dummy right now. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You know what the most important time in disciplining your kids is? What you say to them right after. The most important thing that you say to an employee after you fire them. The most important thing you say to somebody after you correct them. We read it right here. The most important thing, you're in exile now. What do I think about you? I think you're a blessing. I think you've got a hope and a future. I think my plan for you was to prosper you. Can you imagine? Oftentimes times we, we discipline people and we, we're like, oh, we walk away. We're like, man, I can't talk to them. I just, I just disciplined them and they got to know I'm serious. No, no, no. God comes back to us after he disciplines and he says, hey, listen, you're still mine. I forgot about you. This is a plan the whole time. That was a plan the whole time. What's to make sure I was prospering you? Was to make sure I was blessing you? What's to make sure that you knew I had a, a plan for you? A hope and a future. I Have not given up on you? Don't let this difficult season in your life look like I'm giving up. That's not what's happening here. The most important time after you discipline is what you say right after. Hey, you know what? I know it was difficult for you. It was pretty easy for me. but uh, I, was, I know it was difficult. But listen, I'm doing this. Because you have a future. And if I didn't do it, you wouldn't have a future. Because I've got a plan for you. A plan to prosper you. A plan full of hope. Jeremiah's telling him this. Listen, God's not giving up on you. I know this is going to be a season, a difficult time. It's going to be long. But God hasn't given up on you. He's got a plan. He's got hope for you. So what is our job? Our job is to wake up in the morning and choose to think in the middle of the exile to think blessing. That's where the battle takes place, isn't it? We have to choose to think blessing. now, 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 listen. Thinking something is the beginning stage of doing something. Everybody believe that? Thinking something is the beginning stage of truth. So thinking is the beginning of faith. Because Hebrew says that faith is the evidence of things unseen. It's like, I believe this even though I don't see it. So Jeremiah is saying, well, you have to wake up every morning now that you're in exile. Now that you're in this unbelievable difficult season in your life. You have to wake up every morning believing that God is for you. Ha 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 You mean he's for me when I don't have any money? He's for me when my wife doesn't like me? That's debatable. (laughs) He's for me when my kids won't listen. He's for me when I'm getting fired. He's for me when I get sick. You have to wake up every morning to fight that battle. Jeremiah says he's still for you. So I have to believe the beginning of faith is believing here. But then we fast forward to James and James says, listen, you can't just think it. You have to let it act out of you. So faith without works is not faith at all. He says, he says that faith that you, you think in the morning, okay, I'm walking through this difficult season, but God is for me. So if he's for me, then I'm going to act that out during the day. I'm going to act like he's for me. Okay. So watch this. This is the craziest statement I have ever read when it comes to God disciplining people. Verse 5. Jeremiah is saying this build houses and settle down. What? Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters a marriage. So that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. If you're if you're in an old fashioned Bible or you got one on your phone or whatever, underline that right there. Oh, uh, look how that worked out. That is awesome. It separates on our on our software, it separates it. Uh, according to verses, and sometimes the verse rolls onto another page. Do not, everybody say this together, ready? Do not decrease. You know whose decision that is? Yours, not God's. It's your decision not to decrease. He says plant gardens, build houses, marry, have kids, give your kids in marriage. He said, saddle up, you're going to be here a while. Lay down some roots. Don't decrease. He says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Man, that will make you think different about your employer. You're walking in the office every morning going, Lord, if anybody could have a heart attack today, it would be awesome. No, 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 no. Like you've never thought that. Look at me like I'm crazy. No, no, walk in. Now now I'm thinking in the midst of this difficult season at work, in the midst of these difficult people, God has instructed me to pray for them because if God blesses them, he blesses me. Stop trying to call down hellfire and brimstone on the place you work at because if it happens, you won't have a job anymore. We forget that God uses people, even pagan people, to bless us sometimes. Why wouldn't I pray for them? Well, they're being nasty to me. All the more reason. All the more reason. I ain't going anywhere. You think you're being nasty to me and run me off? I'm here to stay. I built a house. Built a little house in my office. I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. You see, what happens in difficult seasons in our life is we automatically start thinking decrease. Uh, As long as I'm in this season nothing great is going to happen as long as i'm in the season nothing good is going to happen as long as i'm in the season i got to put everything on pause as long as i'm in the season i got to wait as long as i'm in the season i got to just i can just push everything i can't i can't do anything i can't as long as i'm in the season and here's where the misquote of jeremiah 29:11 comes in every time because we we say this as if god is is using that verse to yank us out of the season right so we pray, oh God, it's so difficult, but I know the plans you have for me to prosper me, so I know you're not going to let me stay here very long. You're going to get me out of this. I know the. No, you're not trying to hurt me. You're going to get me out of this. Oh, I can't wait. You're going to get me out of this. But that's not what he said. He said, when the 70 years is over, I'll get you out of it. So when the time has come for you to be out of it, you'll be out of it. Look at your neighbor and say, it may take a little longer than I anticipated. (laughs) So Jeremiah 29, 11 is not about shortening the length of the hardship. It's about making sure you have hope in the middle of it. Come on. I know that's not popular preaching. Jeremiah 29, 11 is not about making it shorter. It's about giving you hope in the middle of it because here's the reason. Here's the reason. God realizes that in the middle of the difficulty, you can be a blessing. You see, we live out of backpacks when God told us to build houses. Okay, you didn't get that. I'll explain it. (laughs) What happens is, we get into a situation... And we're like, I ain't staying here. I ain't staying here. I can't do it. I can't do it. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's some, maybe it's what? I can't stay here. I can't stay here. So, so you're trying to figure out how to escape. You're like, they just carried me into exile. I'm getting a bed sheet. I'm throwing it over the barbed wire. I'm coming out. You got your, you got your boys together. You're making up an escape plan. We're like, we're not staying here. We're not staying here. And then Jeremiah comes along and goes, Hey, build a house, bro. You're going to be here a while. Like, I'm not staying here. So watch this. At some level, we have to embrace where we're at. Because if we're always hoping to be out of it, you won't do what needs to be done to experience a blessing where you're at. Because God didn't say he was going to plant a garden for you. He said, you plant the garden. So what happens is, we get into a circumstance, we keep our backpack on, and we're like, get me out, get me out, get me out. Lord, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out. And we look around and everybody else is eating. what are you guys doing? We got to get out of here. No, 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 no. He told us to plant. He told us, wherever you find yourself right now, pray for the people that are around you. Because you're going to be here long enough to bless them and then experience a blessing from them. What if you treated your coworkers like that? I'm going to be here long enough to bless you. And then the really awesome part is, I'm going to be here long enough for you to bless me. So that means you have to have a 180-degree swap of way you think about me. And I know God's going to work it out because I'm going to just be nice to you every day I walk in the office. I'm going to be like, bless him, Lord. But I'm going to offer you tomatoes every time I come because I've been planting a garden. I'm coming with a blessing even in the middle of an exile. So we walk around with backpacks hoping to leave the next day. We're like, God, you gotta get me out of here. You said you had a plan for me. You said you had a plan to prosper me, not to hurt me. Not to hurt me. This looks this you gotta get me out of here. You gotta be. He said, Go ahead and build a house. You see, we get hung up on the duration. And God is really trying to get us to understand that it doesn't matter what you're experiencing, He has the capability to bless and prosper you in any and every circumstance. We go. I don't, oh God, I don't see it. I don't understand how it happens. I just don't think it's going to work. I don't. I don't. Lord, just get me out. Just get me out. He's like, I'm trying to get you to understand that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to be blessing through you. Build a house. Give your kids in marriage. Watch your grandchildren grow up. Stop complaining about where you're at. I say it again. Stop complaining about where you're at. Stop complaining about where you're at. Stop complaining about where you're at. Because if I built the house and I planted the garden, it's the work of my hands now. God said, in the midst of your difficulty, if you will be a blessing, I can bless you. Take the backpack off. Settle down. Realize that my whole plan was to prosper you. Realize that when you get to the end of this, you're going to see how it works out. Realize that you can choose to think blessing no matter what circumstance you're in. There's a little problem here though. Not everybody in the land thinks that. Jeremiah says, hey, listen, there's some prophets over there. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Don't whatever you do, don't listen to those guys. They're not they're not saying what God's saying. He says this, Do not let them prop do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to them to the dreams you encourage them to have. Did you that was a key statement? Can you put that one up on the screen? Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Do not listen to To the dreams you encourage them to have. Do not listen to them telling you what you want to hear. Do not listen to them telling you what you want to hear. He says don't do that. Now let me explain to you what they were doing. Jeremiah was saying you're going to spend 70 years in exile. The Lord says this. You should be hopeful. You should expect the blessing in this. And if you operate... As a blessing, God is promising you a hope and a future. He said, Listen, I want you to build houses, I want you to go on, I want you to be a blessing. Listen, the Israelites actually do this everywhere they go. Think about it. When they were in Egypt, the the Bible says that the Pharaoh got nervous because they were multiplying so quick, they were multiplying quicker than the Egyptians. And he was afraid they were going to get so big that they wouldn't be able to control them. So he actually gave orders to go down and kill the babies. And then the midwives would come back and say, man, them Jewish women are vigorous. They have babies before we can get there. God increases them in a difficult circumstance. You find them in exile in Babylon, and he's telling them the same thing. Increase, don't decrease, increase, don't decrease, increase, don't decrease, increase, don't decrease. And you can track the travel all the way up to modern times. They're operating the same way. Go into a land, what happens? Increase. Some of you need to change the way you think. Your circumstance doesn't get to dictate whether you increase or decrease. You do. When you wake up every morning and you let your circumstances surround you and you say, it's not going to get any better. I just can't do it. No, no, no. If you wake up every morning and say, God has the ability to increase me in the midst of this difficulty and I'll accept nothing less. And so I'm going to do everything I can this morning to, to believe and then to act on that belief that he's blessing me. He's got a plan for me, a prosper for me, a hope and a future no matter how long it takes. I'm thinking increase. So what happens is Prophets and diviners are coming along and saying, hey, it's not going to take very long. It's not going to be very long. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, we fast forward to the New Testament again. It says, be careful because in the last days, churches are going to surround themselves with people who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. We surround ourselves with people who tell us what we tell them to tell us. Tell me this is going to be short-lived. Tell me that I'm going to be rich. Tell me that I'm never going to get sick. Tell me that it's going to be easy. Tell me. And so we have a plethora of people that will walk on stage every Sunday after Sunday going, Hey, it's not going to last long. This is going to be fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. It'll be fine. Jeremiah said, You better not listen to them. They're going to lead you down the wrong path. I'm telling you, this is 70 years, not a second shorter. 70 years. Build a house. Marry people. Plan on blessing them. Pray for the city. Why would I pray for somebody if some guy's telling me, hey, you're, you're not going to have to put up with that very long? Always be weary of people when you start telling them about your circumstance that say you just need to get away from the, you know, you, you, you don't deserve that. I'm looking at myself going, ah, I probably do. Probably do. And more. I never got a whipping I didn't deserve. It's, it's really how we think about it. you got to win this battle. Because the difficulty might not be over tomorrow. Might not be over next week. But God's promise to you is to increase you in the middle of it. In the middle of it, I'm going to settle down. I'm going to settle down get myself straight. I'm going to get me a good woman. I'm going to get me a house. I'm going to settle in. This difficulty might last a little bit. But I'm going to shock everybody. Because I'm going to increase when everybody else expected the opposite. You know how frustrating it must have been for the Pharaoh to be like, They're still having babies. How frustrating it must have been for Babylon these people just keep multiplying. It's just, it's just, God blesses them in the middle of some of the worst times in our life, we can experience the most increase. we can experience the most blessing of God. So now my prayer becomes different it doesn't i don 't pray anymore, God deliver me from it. I pray, increase me in the middle of it. Give me the capacity to pray for people that I don't want to make it. Give me the capacity to believe that God can bless even the pagans around me because of my presence. Give me the capacity to believe, God, that your plan is perfect. And that what I'm walking through right now is making me better. Give me the capacity to believe that this morning. Let me fight the battle in my mind and win it. Today, you are blessing me in spite of what it looks like. In Jesus' name. Do you believe that this morning? Come on, stand to your feet. The band's going to come. Look, I know when I I sit down and, and study these things that sometimes these aren't popular sermons. Everybody wants to feel better and get out of trouble quicker and be healed faster. Everybody wants that. But there are times in this church where I feel like i do a disservice to you if we didn't just look into Scripture for what it said. The guy's not calling you to run from your circumstance. He's calling you to dig in. He's calling you to dig in and watch him increase you in the middle of difficulty. He wants you to win that battle in your mind and believe that even in your circumstance, he's blessing you. That his plan is perfect. That he's that he's working it out for your good. So I don't I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Christian that just just gets blown along by the wind. I want to. I'm building a house. I don't care how difficult it gets. I'm going to bless the people around me. I don't care. I'm going to let, not let the circumstance keep me from praying for the people around me. I'm not going to become hard-hearted because something bad happened to me. We're here now. What are we going to do? We got to win that battle in our mind. Father, we thank you this morning. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We can wake up every morning and decide to believe you, that your promise is true, that you plan to prosper us, not to harm us. You got a hope and a future for us. Lord, it's still true today. No matter how long the difficult season lasts, it's still true. Lord, and we pray as a church that we'd be able to increase, Lord. That we would have minds bent towards believing your word. That we'd have minds bent on increase, not decrease. That even in the difficult time, Lord, we're experiencing your blessing. Even during the hardship. Even during the sickness, Lord. That we can be a blessing and receive a blessing. God, that we would be invested in the people around us. Let us win that fight every time. Let us decide in our minds that we will not let any circumstance keep us from doing your will. We thank you for it this morning, Lord. We pray that you would infuse in us, Lord, hope. In your plan for our life. Hope in what you have declared over us. We are yours and you believe in us, God. We are yours and you're blessing us. And we thank you for it this morning we proclaim that and we will live it out. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on church, could you give him honor and praise one more time?